Hey everybody. Good morning. Morning. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, we got Brent back and Chad's gone. Glenn's back, obviously. Mr. Millie. Yeah, we have we're, we're just trading out trading out parts and pieces each week. So. I never told you how cool your name is, by the way. Glenn Miller. I'm a I'm a huge fan of of big band orchestra and like I grew up listening to Glenn Miller because my grandma always had it going and just love Glenn Miller. It's amazing that sometimes people bust my chops about my name. And he used to play trombone. Yeah. He so had some chops. Yeah. So <clears throat> I just tell him if they really get me bugged about it, I just say, just, hey, buddy, just let it slide. Mm. <laughs> let it slide. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> good. The first time I met you, I was like, really? Glenn Miller? Like, that Glenn? Like, yeah. It's that's excellent. Funny. Excellent. It is a good name. Okay, Guess what so I did today? Plowed, plowed your driveway? Plowed my driveway, yeah. <laughs> Put gas in my snowblower. Started my snowblower. And uh, the, actually plowed about seven inches on one side. Yeah, we went to Idaho on Thursday last week. It was yeah. 75, 80 degrees awesome. that day. Sunny. The whole trip was just unbelievable, like summertime. And then we came home, and I had five inches of snow in my driveway. It was weird. This morning wasn't bad at all. I mean, I have, like, one of the most powerful leaf blowers in the world. You said on snow? My neighbor does, too. On snow? Yeah. I mean, obviously, it has to be very cold it's, snow. It was very light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. pretty rad, actually. My neighbor does that all the time. He just goes out there with his little pack <laughs> and blows it. Yeah. It's, you have to get a real powerful one. That sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of getting over even the, the snow thrower thing, especially when it's windy out. I went out the other day and did it, and um, it was just it was windy sideways, and this <laughs> right stuff just it. coming back and nailing. And I'm just like, I'm just like saying things I shouldn't be saying, like <laughs> under my breath and stomping around through the driveway. Like <laughs> I was throwing a fit, dude, because this stuff's just blasting me. I was like, I'm I'm out. I'm moving to the desert. I had put all my shovels away, I'll admit. Like, yeah, they my were, wife did I, that. I put them all away. I thought we were done. And I know we always feet. get a little, but not this much. Yeah. Our snow shovels went away, and our our patio furniture came out. Yeah. Yes. And um, so, okay, yeah, I'm, awesome. I'm watching snow piled well, up on all Pastor that. Chad was so fed up with it that he said, I'm going to Mexico. Yeah, it's like, I'm, I'm just getting out of town. I'm over it. So, okay. so they're on their way to uh, Puerto Vallarta. Puerto Vallarta. To, uh, I think it's the 25th wedding anniversary. Yeah. So happy anniversary, yeah, happy yep. anniversary Chad guys. and Jill. Yep. How long have you been married? You said 49 years? Coming up on 39. Oh, 39. I thought you said 49 the other day. Did I say? You well, did. Maybe, the, maybe, the, I thought, how is that possible? How I thought it was are like you, Glenn? It's 39. That makes more sense. Because I was like, you guys, you know, I mean, I'm just, well, you know, you look kind of old. Stacy, I'm like, did you marry her when she was 10? I thought this was like a weird thing. Well, there's, there, yeah, no, um, she was kind of young. Well, I wasn't trying to create a scandal. Yeah. But when you said 49 the other day, I thought, there's no way. Man, I'm sorry that I, I led that. I led you. That's, it's 39. Okay. I'm not sure you did. No, it, uh, I think you did. Well, well, it doesn't matter. Well, I was going to say 40 less one, but that would have been a negative connotation. <laughs> 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 that would be. That's funny. So 39, and you're yeah. 10, 10 less. 29. 29. Okay. In a couple weeks. Well, no, in two months. Okay. Actually, we celebrate on April 9th. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. We'll be 32 this year, so very cool. Yeah. All right. I love marriage. Marriage is good. We got any anything? We have the Good Friday service. Good Friday service tomorrow night, and at CBC, not here. Been a couple changes, but it's it's going to be good. It's going to yep. be celebratory, and uh, yeah, show up six o'clock at Community Bible Church tomorrow right. night. So cool. Other than that, I don't know. Easter is going to happen. Yep. Both locations. Both locations. Yep. All right.
All right. Should we dive in? We should dive in. What are we talking about today, dude? Today's going to be another mailbag. So we, we have a few questions, one which we did not get to last week, which we were going to get to. And it's just going to be more fun because Glenn's here to, to help us on these awesome questions. So, <laughs> I'm looking right. forward to it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So you want me to pray? Yeah. All right. Lord, thank you for uh, allowing us to gather again and just enjoy your word, God, to um, just be able to uh, just further understand what it is that you've given us and um, and that it can just be uh, fun to sit around and talk about these things. And so I pray that it would be edifying, that it would be informational for your people, God, and that we would we would ultimately be sharpened uh, in the things that we understand your word to uh, teach us. We do pray for Pastor Jack and Jill uh, that they would uh, just have a blessed time, that they would get down there safely and, and that they would just really uh, maybe enjoy each other on levels that, that they haven't, you know, for a long time and, and come back completely refreshed. God, we thank you for marriage. As we talked about that a little this morning, we thank you for uh, your grace and giving us each years of marriage with our wives. And uh, we, we just look to you for many more. And uh, so we commit this time to you and everything that we discuss and how we discuss it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You want me to ask something or are you going to ask something? No, you go ahead. We don't even know what we're doing today. I want to make sure we're live. Brent thought <laughs> I was doing it. I thought he was doing it. And so we're going to make Glenn do it. That was the one possibility I had not even thought of. <laughs> we had a couple of questions left from last week. One was going to be um, modesty, which summer's coming, and people are going to start wearing less clothes yeah. outside. And, uh, you know, this is always something that I think we as believers should be mindful of. Absolutely. Uh, for many reasons. And so I guess the first question would be, what does biblical modesty look like? Hmm. What does biblical modesty look like? I actually have a, a definition. Do it. Okay. Modesty is an attitude of humility and decency in dress, grooming, language, and behavior. Which I like that because a lot of times it seems like this is directed to, you know, certain people. For sure. That definition, it's directed to everybody. It's all inclusive. Yeah. Everybody's guilty and everybody's a failure. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yes. So, so it's more of an attitude. I like how the definition starts. It's an attitude uh -huh. um, rather than something that you're just actually doing, right? So, because yeah. a lot of times we'll look at somebody and the way they're presenting themselves and be like, oh, they're immodest. But yeah. you could have someone who's presenting themselves just fine with an immodest attitude mm -hmm. towards, yeah, okay. Or language like or whatever. That's good. So it says, if you are modest, you do not draw undue attention to yourself. Right. Okay. And this actually gets to what we're talking about. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I saw a, a little statement somebody made that said, what we wear tells a story about who mm -hmm. we are. Um, and I thought that was kind of a fascinating thing because mm -hmm. it, that doesn't necessarily have to be a negative thing, but what we right. wear tells a story about who we are. Sure. And sometimes it's it's all about self and sometimes sure. it's not sure um but I, I you know i don't think we always think of it that way but right every time we get dressed we we are kind of making a statement of some kind so yeah so i mean a modest humble attitude about how we do that is probably sure. a, a good thing because it, it could even be like down to the cars we drive and you know what those look like and there can be a look at me type right. of thing, type of thing that that definitely goes on um I think this is a really difficult one when it does come to dress, when it yeah. does to come to presentation, physical presentation, clothes. 
uh, to we can't really answer where's the biblical line with mm-hmm. modesty because it it is, it is open it is subjective so how do we this is one of those areas of liberty where we all each before God need to kind of take care of our own business on this and do the right thing and that may look different for one person than it does another so how do we approach that as Christians it's an interesting discussion yeah. so many things kind of were working through my mind even just this morning I, I, I'm a kind of person that says well why are they doing that mm-hmm. and sometimes I, I think well is there is there some is there attention that they want to draw right. whether it's through what they say or their attitude or you know or how they dress mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like that's a that's one that's one important issue how they dress but modesty is just it's just interesting um, that first Peter 3 4 says let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit yeah. so to me it's like oh, this has to do with more than just yes. dress yes it's the spirit too yeah so then I, so then well what is what's the desire you know is there is there something that they're drawing mm-hmm too. They, they need to be satisfied with drawing attention. Right. You know? That's where I think self-awareness is kind of an important part of this because if we're filled with God's Spirit and, and we, we need to evaluate a little bit, you know, if, you, if, if you're wearing something and everybody's looking at you or drawing attention to you, um, you know, it's easy for, I think, women a lot of times they'll, they'll put something on and, you know, something that's maybe low cut and you probably are going to notice like 50 guys checked you out that day, you know, mm-hmm. and if you're in church or something, that's not a great thing. But I, they, they see it. They know it. Um, if I'm wearing, like, the last time I wore my net shirt, the half shirt, right. that's net, right. you know, I got a lot of looks from the ladies. <laughs> the last time I wore my wife beater, it was the uh, same way. Yeah. They couldn't stay away. It was, I, yeah. I haven't worn that since the, since the 1970, but I did have one. Yeah. I um, find the older I get, the less problem I have. With yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get better at modesty every year. <laughs> right. But I guess if you're wearing something that, that you notice, you know, people just keep looking you know there at some point you just kind of need to say wait a second maybe i'm maybe i'm drawing undue attention to myself and just be aware of it mm-hmm. um you know whether that's even what you wear or what you're doing sometimes there's times in church where if you're just drawing a bunch of attention to yourself and distracting people because again where do we want the focus to be on sunday morning we kind of want all eyes to be on jesus mm-hmm. and if you've noticed that you've pulled a lot of attention your way that day i would just be honest about that and maybe think about what, what's causing that whether mm-hmm. it's stress or you know, maybe you're just dancing away in the front row, uh, whatever it might be. Um, <laughs> sorry, shaking your money maker. Just yeah, we had a guy at the old Calvary Chapel that used to sit in the front row, and he did this thing with his hips where he would gyrate. Would just, they would really go. He would gyrate his hips yeah. from side to side, but he made sure that he was in the front row, so like everybody, everybody had to like be subject to watching. This there were happen. there were days when I was supposed to be singing and praising the Lord, and all I was doing was just locked up to this yeah. dude. Like, what is going on? Yeah. I like that because it, it's not just a it, it's not just one you know it's not a female male thing for sure it can be right. anything like an attitude for yeah. sure and sometimes people say things I, I've even not present company excluded but I've even <laughs> heard you know people saying things from the platform where they're trying to almost draw attention yeah to themselves that's like that's just that doesn't work yeah I'm not getting a good vibe here. Right. You know, right. so it could it could happen. Well, that's true of us. I mean, you know, when you're, when you're preaching sermons on Sunday, if you're going in there with this this mindset of I want to hear people say, um, what a great sermon, 
mm-hmm. and that's your motivation, mm-hmm. there'll be a lot of you in there. Yeah. But if your motivation is for people to say, what a great Savior, yeah. and that, you know, that I worshiped God today, what a great Savior, you know, and that's, that's huge difference in the way we go about doing things. Because mm-hmm. it's pretty easy to draw attention to yourself on a Sunday morning yeah. um, as, a, as a pastor. Yeah. Sure. So, so when I, I was studying, I thought, this, this is interesting because... It, that passage in First Peter talked about a gentle and quiet spirit, mm-hmm. and it seems like the the descriptors of that spirit would closely relate to the attitude of Christ to to yeah. what what he was. He was he described himself as gentle and humble, or gentle and lowly. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's that's the key right there. It's the attitude of Christ in whatever we do, whether yes. it's dress or grooming or yeah. not. I totally agree. You said earlier, uh, you know, if we see somebody acting immodestly, uh, you got to ask yourself why. And I think that's that's maybe key for each of us as this being an area of liberty <clears throat> that's um, subjective. Something each of us can do with whatever it is we're about to do or wear mm-hmm. or whatever is why do I want to do it this way, right? Um, and we know, and I think you just hit on it, there's a difference between walking in the spirit, walking in the flesh. We see, we see mm-hmm. this all throughout our scriptures that there is a walking in the flesh and a walking in the spirit mm-hmm. and obviously you know the first epistle of john tells us that uh, you know it's the, the flesh is all about the lust of the eyes the lust of the flesh and the pride of life right and so if we just examine ourselves honestly and say why do i want to put this on or why do i want to go out this way or why do i want to act this way mm-hmm. we can probably find ourselves uh, just with yeah. very little examination am i walking in the spirit or am i walking in the flesh there's fruits of the flesh there's fruits of the spirit and i think we know which is which is which when Absolutely. it comes to, to doing that stuff. Yeah. So. What would you say, though, about, like, um, the fact that, like, maybe the devil's advocate position would be yeah. to say um, God is a creative God. He's made us creative people. And so, you know, the way we present ourselves or the way we, you know, as long as we're right. not, you know, again, being immodest, but is there is there is there license for us to, to have a certain style or a certain look or a certain, right. you know, way that we kind of, Maybe it's even a way to be relatable to somebody in a missional way right. that you wouldn't be otherwise. Um, because I think there is some room for that. I like the creativity of seeing, you know, there's, I mean, you're, I too. you kind of have some of that going. There's just certain people that have a certain characteristic or a certain style that kind of almost embodies who they are. I like when people play to their, their style because I do think that that's something God given. Like, I, I appreciate, like, people just expressing who God has made them, but yeah. not, but, but there's a fine line between expressing that um, for attention. Um, and you know, or something that has to do with a, uh, some kind of a fleshly uh, reward or gratification, and then just in, enjoying embracing um, in front of everybody who it is that God's made you. Um, and it does go both ways. This is why it's hard. Yeah, it it's is. because I, I actually oftentimes would look at the church as a kid that grew up in the church and thought, these are a bunch of boring people. <laughs> Nobody knows how to express himself. No, and I wouldn't say I was walking in the Spirit or thinking of the Spirit at this time, but I, I think there is something to be said that like we don't have to just you know, wear, you know, pullover sweaters and slacks that are neutral colors because, because we're Christians, right? <laughs> yeah. We don't have to not use hair product just because we're Christians. Like, like, people can actually be who God has made them. So a good pomade is, is biblical? A good pomade is not <laughs> biblical, but permissible. permissible. And sometimes suggested. For some people, a sweet smelling odor. Some people would do well to find a good pomade. <laughs> um, yeah, so so like, but so so I, I totally agree with you, but but this is where it gets really dicey. If some people right. you, you think, oh, they're just trying to be a billboard, just to get everybody's attention. Right. Um, 
But sometimes you can you can look at some of these people and you're like, I love who this is, and part of the reason I love who they are is because of the uniqueness of how God's made them. They're not they're not being cocky with it. They're not being prideful with it. This is simply who they are, yes. and that's a rad thing. Like that's that's a really cool thing. Well, and even the missional aspect of it, because we've been um, it's we we go to uh, there's a place downtown we like to go gather on fire pits sometimes and hang out with people. And you get into these conversations and you just, you stereotype people pretty quickly. Or you kind of, you know, you look at how they are and you make these assumptions. And um, we've been in several conversations where eventually it gets around to, oh, what do you guys do? And we're pastors. And you can almost just see this, that like something didn't connect there. It doesn't, you don't fit the mold of this thing that we thought you were going to be. But it opens up an opportunity to talk to them. Mm -hmm. And and that's part of the, you know, not again to be manipulative in this, but when Paul says, you know, you know, I became... You know, all things to all, all men. things to all men, in order that I might win some. Right. And and so I've seen that kind of um, again. If there's a missional aspect of this, where um, you're doing it to the glory of God, yeah. not to the glory of self, and it's it's allowing you to maybe reach people that you wouldn't reach otherwise. There's something about that that I think is helpful. For sure, we can never tell what the motivation of a person is when they're when it, they appear to be immodest, mm-hmm. whatever. But there's a there's a point at which sometimes. And we, I, who knows why people do what they do, but sometimes people don't have a need met. And so when they're being immodest, then they are, in a sense, attracting attention. Sure. If, in fact, they're being immodest. So let's go with that. They're being immodest because there's a need that's not met. Mm-hmm. So And they're trying to get it met by someone else, right. yeah. whether it be how they speak or how they dress or how they groom or whatever. So then, so then, my, one of my favorite, John Piper says, "God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him." Right. If someone is not satisfied in God, I could see them being more immodest mm-hmm. because they're reaching out yeah. to be satisfied, you know, with, with a look or whatever that mm-hmm. they might get, you yeah. know. Yeah. So, so it really comes down to identity, like almost everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and even more than, I mean, beyond identity, the reality is like we we tend to love ourselves more than we love God anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, we're kind of our biggest fans, and so yes. we're always gonna we're always gonna find ways to, we're to puff ourselves. A up legend in our own minds. We're a legend in our own minds, but but it's an identity thing where we can find our identity in uh, men looking at us, or women looking at us, or uh, other people just looking at us in a certain way and trying to trying to get a certain response from that, um, instead of just saying like I'm good, I'm, I'm good with who I am, what I am, uh, and the way I'm going about it today because of who I belong to. Like if Chad yeah. would say something like, hey, I'm going down to Puerto Vallarta, I'm going to hang out at the beach, you yeah. know, so I'm going to pump some weights and I'm going to get, you know, really buff, you right. know, that might be a little bit of modesty. I'm pretty sure he didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> we, pretty e- sure too. Exercise Chad is not a nickname we have for him. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Chad. We, we certainly miss him. We certainly miss him. We miss him. <laughs> I, I saw uh, this lady kind of did an article on Gospel Coalition, and she, she had a few points um, in regards to this, and, and one was, um, you are not your own. Yeah. And I liked that. It's like we don't think that way very often, but in regards to who we are as Christians and, and our identity, we're, we don't belong to ourselves. Right. We belong to Christ. So that's then um, she pointed out um, you are um, created as a man or created as a woman, and embrace that, and and you know, kind of yeah. don't be a distraction in, in that regard. Yeah. Um, and, and then the idea that you belong to a community, um, you know, uh, yeah. and I think if we think along those lines, it does probably temper what we do and how we. You know what we put on and how we act. So can I out. can I kind of interject a little bit uh, deeper? Sure. Point. Okay. So I listened to Vody Balcom. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I loved what he was saying. 
Now, he... You mean on modesty? Well, it it wasn't necessarily on modesty. It was on pornography. Oh, okay. Okay, so what so he said was, we as a society, if, if one is, you know, at, at the least level, you know, of modesty or, or pornography, and 10 is like full-blown, you know, he said, we as a culture live at about a three to four. Mm. That's where our society is. It's all, it's all over. Mm-hmm. It's all around us. Mm-hmm. So we are getting used to a certain level of immodesty. Yeah. And, right. and so if we, go, if we go to a nine, that's going to bother anybody. If we go to a nine, I mean, that's like, that's almost full blown. So what do we do at a three to four? And how does that how does that relate to modesty issues? You know, um, I, I hope I'm not you know confusing the topic here. But it, yeah. is that is that true? I mean, are we getting used to a three to four? Yeah. In this whole area, I I, I remember Jay Vernon McGee once telling a story because he was from the South, and there was a point I don't remember. I think maybe the '70s is when he came out to Los Angeles to pastor the church that he ended up pastoring there. So he's born in the South. That's been the culture he's always known. He said, it's funny. We used to come to church and all the elders and the the pastors would be standing outside the church before church smoking cigarettes. Mm -hmm. And no one thought twice about it. But if you went to a public school and you saw a lady Mm -hmm. that was in a full-on bikini, Mm -hmm. it was an outrage. He said, when we moved to L.A., it was the opposite. You would see people walking around with no clothes on all the time, and it was normal, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But if someone, you know, smoked a cigarette, especially a Christian at church, <laughs> they were demonized, you know? And, and so I think, like, there, there is a reality to just, just cultures and, and yeah. you know, the different um, uh, normalities that we find or the things that are accepted, things wherever the line is, whether it's a three or a four, like, that can change from mm-hmm. region to region and culture to culture. But mm-hmm. I think it is true what we tend to accept and what we don't because of what we live around every day and where we set those those bars. Yeah, and so we, yeah. we do need to be careful about just compromise and mm-hmm. well, inconsistencies. You know, yeah. Like oh, three stars no from a 10. You can just watch TV shows that you thought were, um, that crossed the line 20 years ago and now they, they don't even seem like, like what was what bothered me about that? There was nothing about that that's even remotely weird now. Yeah. And that's because we've, we've shifted and changed. So I th- I'm sure we've done that with a lot of things. But there comes that point where we don't want to compromise who we are, you know, as Christians. But we also need to to make sure that we're somewhat relatable. Because I'm thinking of whatever on that scale he's talking about as a one. I'm picturing like a denim, you know, some kind of a denim all denim outfit that goes, you know, that goes all the way to Jump the floor. Yeah. There, there's some weird stuff that Christians wear that almost like, well, that's just weird. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, maybe don't. Yeah, I, well, I don't you've just that. drawn attention to yourself by <laughs> well, you going backwards in an opposite way, right? Exactly. It's, just, yeah. it's very strange. Now, no one's gonna talk to you ever. Right. Touch you ever, you know. I would say, by the way, I think um, when I just thought about our church, um, we really, I, I think our our men and women uh, do, do a really a good, good job, job of of maintaining kind of that modesty and and uh, not drawing attention to themselves. Yeah. I just, I don't. We haven't. There was a time early on in the doors yes. thing where we had to have these you know conversations every spring. We would have to say, okay, guys, here's the modesty talk because it would get kind of bad at times. Well, with the guys um, too, you know. Yeah. We had a dude at one point that yeah. was, you know, had done most of his life in prison, and and so you know he was some he was somewhat built, and uh, I, I remember after church he would take off his shirt, yep. 
plays and guitar. Go up onto the stage and grab the guitar that was up there and just start playing with yeah. no shirt on. Yeah. Just an uh, ex-con, and it was just like, yeah. well, this is weird. Yeah. You know? It's, it is. This is weird. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, well done, church. Yeah. Um, keep up the good work in that regard. But it is, you know, always something I think, I think with the way we define beauty and the way God looks at the heart, yeah. a lot of times is very different. And, yeah. And it seems like, anyway, the people in our church seem to be doing a good job of that. I'm, I'm grateful for it. Yeah. So, so I think the two most helpful things for all of us, just to maybe condense what we've talked about, at, at least for me, is is um, that we um, that we know that we're not our own. That that you know, yeah. as we have been saved by the grace of God and come into the church, that we're a part of something bigger than ourselves, mm-hmm. and that the per- the people next to us ought to be regarded as more in, yeah. important than ourselves. Yeah. And then to ask ourselves why uh, maybe we want to wear the thing or do the thing or act in the way that we're about to do. Is that flesh or is that spirit? What am I walking in? Mm-hmm. Am I walking in uh, the characteristics of Christ or am I walking in the characteristics of the world, mm-hmm. which have always been native to me? Because we don't have to anymore. That's the beauty of it. We yeah. don't have to walk in that which uh, we were born into anymore. Yeah. We, that, we, that, we, was a, that was an excellent summation. Modesty. Good job. Perfect. And I, like, I love that it's an attitude. Yeah. Rather than just a, a clothes thing or a car thing or a yeah. money thing or a, you know, whatever. So, yeah, we're good. That is good. You want to you do one? Well, yeah, we got a, we had a, so we, this wasn't a question that necessarily came uh, to us uh, for us to do on One Decent Pastor, but it was a question that came up this week that was a good one. Um, and somebody had basically came and said that they'd heard a rumor about us that we are, uh, that we believe in replacement theology and they were concerned about that. And first off, I would just say, <clears throat> very cool that when somebody hears something like that, rather than, you know, wonder if it's true or not, they came right to this. You well, it's know, cool right that this person was so interested about yeah, it. Anyway. And said, hey, where do you guys yeah. stand with this? Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm always grateful when that happens because cause the alternative is to either just leave the church, which we had somebody do that one time. I remember we had a family one time that they, they'd come to the conclusion that we didn't believe in the rapture. And they told a bunch of people that and they left the church. Well, that's not true. We do believe in the rapture. We may not teach the pre-trib rapture, but we believe the rapture is a real thing. Mm-hmm. It's the resurrection. It's, you know, we just, the timing might be different. But that was a weird thing to just leave the church over without yeah. coming and talking to us. Absolutely. Because we probably could have cleared that up in about five seconds. Yeah, yeah we do believe in the rapture. Great. Problem solved. Mm-hmm. So this was a, a good question, replacement theology. Um, so what, what would be, what is replacement theology? I don't know, but there's a lot of worse things we could be accused of. <laughs> Probably. So replacement theology. There it goes. He's going to read a definition. Definition. Because I, I thought. No, it, I love it. Starts it. I'm not making fun of you. That's great. It, now, it's also known as supersessionism, which, you know, that would probably. Take Nobody calls it that. No. Essentially <laughs> teaches that the church has replaced Israel in God's plan. Adherents of replacement theology believe the Jews are no longer God's chosen people and God does not have specific future plans for the nation of Israel. So, so half of yeah. that's true and half of it's not. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you want to no. expound on that? No, you were going to say something and I interrupted. No, you're fine. Um, well, I guess we just say, so what's what's the problem with, with the idea of replacement theology? That Well, it, 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 to me, the problem's the name. Like, it, it, it gives a false impression. Like, this was plan A and, it, and now God went to plan B type thing. I, I just don't like, I don't like the sound of it. I don't like the idea of replacement or that this one's no longer uh, precious, valuable, or purposeful. Um, 
so now we're going to replace it with something else. That's just not biblical and it's not true. Like, like Israel is valuable, precious, <laughs> and right. purposeful, still in the plan of God and, and always. So uh, we were talking about it earlier. In, in, in my opinion, like, it, like the it, expansion theology is, would just be a, a much better way to understand this uh, biblically um, and represent it biblically rather than replacement. Because God's plan. I don't know if you're going to go here. If we start in Genesis with how Israel started, with go a ahead. Gentile, by the way, yeah. named Abraham, <laughs> God came to him and, and made a promise that all the nations, plural, would be blessed through him. Right. Uh, so so it, w- it was never singular that just Israel would be God's chosen people, even though they were for a time. They were, they were basically the root of of that promise and blessing to all nations, which was always plan A. So expansion theology, Jesus talks about this in parables, you know. Uh, he talks about the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It starts smaller than any other plant in the field, and then it grows to something bigger. What are we talking about? We're talking about an expansion theology that it's, it was never just about Israel. Right. It was always about the church. Yeah. yeah. So I agree with that. Yeah. I think that um, in fairness for those that are listening that may not get it, um, so when we started going through some of these books recently, it became clear that we don't teach pre-trib rapture, which is also a lot of times um, tied into dispensational theology. Mm-hmm. And so I think somebody has the assumption, okay, these guys aren't dispensational, therefore yeah. they believe replacement theology. And, and it isn't an either-or scenario. Right. There, there's also something else beyond that, which you just talked about, which is expansion theology sure. that is important. So so no, we, we would reject dispensationalism, that's correct. We would also maybe you should tell say what dispensationalism is. Well, Do you have so, a definition over there. No <laughs> definition. <laughs> <laughs> Pull that up. <laughs> it's really a way to kind of compartmentalize the way God has worked throughout history. Because these are really two extremes, right? They are. Is dispensationalism and yeah. replacement theology. Yeah. So the idea that God had this program during this time, this program during this time, and they break it into seven basic things, and it, and it's a tidy way maybe to kind of view the Bible. But I, I, I disagree with it um, because I, I think that if you talk about that God has one plan of redemption, yeah. uh, if you look at the redemptive story of the Bible, you see one plan of redemption, not a bunch of different ones, mm-hmm. not one for these guys, one for these guys. Exactly. Now, there is the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, right. and that's why sometimes there's also something called covenantal theology that mm-hmm. would, would stand you know, against dispensational theology. But, but God has definitely worked in, you know, in a different way in the Old Covenant than he does in the New Covenant. But the plan of redemption has always been the same. Mm-hmm. From Genesis 3, it, it, mm-hmm. you see, well, even before the foundation of the earth, you see his plan of redemption has always been the same. And so the, then the idea is, you know, did he have one program for Israel and another program for the Gentiles, which we would call the church? Or is it actually part of the same program that's been expanded upon? Exactly. And, and that's what you're talking about. Yes. And I would say, yeah, it's part of the same program that's been expanded upon. Mm-hmm. Well, it's and it's interesting that three of the uh, most theological chapters of the most theological book in the New Testament says that God has not rejected right. Israel. Right. Romans. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so we have to, I mean, the, the, the problem with re- replacement theology is that it's not biblical. Right. Right. Well, the weird thing is that, I mean, it's funny because I went on to the, the same place that you got that definition for uh, replacement theology. 
I've got questions, which we like that site, but they're dispensational. Mm-hmm. Um, and they actually make a statement on there that was just like, we know that the, the New Testament clearly teaches dispensationalism. And they go into this whole thing and it's like, it, it, I mean, the whole statement is like, none of that no. I know to be true. I well, even the language that's... of like Romans chapter 11, which is which is one of the places yeah. we tend to go. Like I would, that's the place I was taught to go that, hey, God's not done with Israel. Like the whole argument there is Paul, a, a Jew, is saying like, I, I would wish I was cut off. You know, he starts in chapter 9. I, w- I wish I was cut off for the sake of my countrymen that have been cut off. And then, of course, he goes into a natural tree, right, which is Israel. And then an unnatural, you know, a natural branch wild. was broken off yeah. uh, so that a wild or an unnatural branch could be grafted in. We're still talking about one tree. One We're tree. talking about one root system, one, one trunk. We're talking about one tree with an unnatural or a wild branch. And so even even if you look at the language, and he says God is, is able to save Israel if he wants in talking about their partial blindness. He doesn't say he's going to go and do something different with Israel. He just says he's able to graft them back in if he feels like it. Well, actually, and so, like, we have to be careful with somehow we interpret these dispensational yeah, passages. He even says the mystery of Israel's salvation is the caption in Romans 11, unless you be wise in your own sight. You I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until uh-huh. the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. Will be saved. So there is this, you know, there is the spiritual Israel yes. that got this plan of redemption that yes. includes Gentiles and Jews. And there will be a time, I believe, when he will turn his, his, his attention back yes. um, to... But I don't think he's ever taken his attention off Jewish that, that, people. That's actually my point, and yes. I think that's the point of 11. Like, right now, we, we have Jews for Jesus. Right. We, we yes. have... Uh, we have uh, I always say it wrong. Messian, me, mess, messianic. Messianic. Yeah. Um, um, messy. Actually, it's becoming... <laughs> it is a little messy. It it's becoming, like, really popular right now in the United States. Like, there's a lot of Gentiles going to these churches. But, but primarily, yeah. those were formed... For Jewish people, they've been saved. They look to Jesus, Jesus as their only hope, and so like God, whatever the partial hardening hardening was, which I, I believe was mostly leading up to Christ coming and His crucifixion. Yeah. Personally, uh, there's been Jews getting saved ever since the beginning of the church. I yeah. mean, the church began in Jerusalem. Well, and they'll continue. I mean, I think that that we're just we're going to continue to see that all right. the way through. So, so you you have this thing where both are happening right now, but in dispensational theology. This is the Gentile time. God is focused only on us, not right. on Israel. And then there's going to come a time when he shuts the door on us. And then right. during the tribulation time, we get raptured away. And then during that seven-year period, right. he turns his attention back to the Jews. Or maybe he's turned his attention on both at the same time. Actually, this is kind of an interesting thing in John 10 where we get our uh, well, the, the reason we yeah, yeah, call yeah, the yeah. church the door. It's from this passage. Yeah. I'm going to read this and you guys can Another fold. Yeah. So, so Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Now listen to this. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. And I must bring them in also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. It's called expansion. So he's clearly talking about Jewish people. Yes. And and then he says, but hey, wait, I've got other sheep too. 
and, and we're going to put these together, and there's going to be one flock and one shepherd, which is, which is what Ephesians teaches as well. Ephesians chapter 2 really clearly teaches the same thing. And it seems it's the bride of Christ. So, so <laughs> That one yes. fold is the church. So what's interesting to me is that when you look back at Abraham, you meant you referenced Abraham in Genesis 12, um, which happened before, after Genesis 3, when the whole issue of, you know, the, the, the man who... Um, the, the proto, what did you call it? Proto evangelium. Proto, yeah, okay. First so good news. Genesis three fifteen. Okay, that was before Genesis. 12. So now Genesis twelve comes along, and God the Father says to Abraham, "I will make of you a great nation," hmm. and that was the Jewish people. Right. Okay. So then Christ comes along, and he says in Matthew sixteen eighteen, he says, "I will build my church," <clears throat> but it's the same. It is the same program. Right. Now, this is what we talked about a little bit beforehand. The, the channel of redemption uh, is modified from the Jewish people, the Jewish nation, to the church. But obviously... Or expanded, it, maybe. Expanded. We, we, yeah. yeah it, it could be a terminology mm-hmm. thing. Um, however, it's all, it's all inclusive. It, he will turn his attention again to the Jewish people, so as in the Valley of the Dry Bones and all that, when... Sooner or later, I mean that is debated. In fairness, it is. Yeah, but it's, yeah, but it, it seemed like. But I'm rooting for it. Yeah, <laughs> and I think uh-huh. that, you know that's the problem with replacement theology is that you have to almost do away with some of the promises God made to Israel and say, oh, He took those away from Israel and He's given them to you guys now. Right. Well, if God's capable of doing that, that scares the right out of me. Yep. Because if He can just say, well, you know what, I decided I'm going to take this promise that I gave you and I'm going to give it to somebody else. He's made me some promises that I'm pretty excited about. Well, this is where it gets challenging, right? Is it really, it really comes down to like, like it requires a deep study, like throughout promises that were were given in the Old Testament. Were they conditional? Were they unconditional? Were they speaking to uh, the ultimate fulfillment of the church that would come through the promised people, you know, promised nation Israel, or were they specific to Israel? as an ethnic people right. and like and and this is where why we have categories and systems that don't agree is because those things are open to interpretation a lot of times of like what was fulfilled what wasn't what was for you know these people right. what was for everybody and so it gets kind of convoluted really really quick so. but i think in regards to the abraham thing galatians 3 this is another really solid passage to look at mm-hmm. for in christ jesus you are all sons of god through faith for as many of you as were baptized into Christ and put on Christ, therefore there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Exactly. Which exactly. is what you were, we're saying. saying. So part of the same promise, part of the same program, mm-hmm. not a different thing, part mm-hmm. of the same thing. And, and if you really want to dive in, look at Ephesians 2, starting in verse 11 all the way through the chapter. It yeah. talks about how Jesus has broken down this wall of hostility mm-hmm. that existed. So we're no longer strangers. We're now fellow citizens. We're now part of this. I mean, it's just so clear when you yeah. read that. And he, and he talks about the pro, the prophets and the apostles. He's bringing this, both of these groups together yeah. and saying there's one Lord. I've heard you mention Reese's Peanut Butter Cups before. Yeah. Right, so <laughs> the chocolate not- and the peanut butter come together. Yeah. That's the way I see it when yeah. in, in the book of Acts when there's this when there's this transfer in one sense from... The Jewish nation to the Gentiles, mm-hmm. but it's still one, yeah. you know, entity. It, yeah. yeah. So this is where I think we need to maybe be careful when, um, when we even talk about God turning His attention back to Israel. Right? Yeah. Is because he, yeah. Israel was the original fold. God went and collected sheep 
from a different fold and brought them into that fold. Same so that, that, yeah. that fold never ceases to become something that God's not paying attention to or doing something with. Right. And so what exactly is God needing to go back to them for? Well, I, and I, so this, yeah. this, is, this is where it gets I interesting, agree. right? I think it's a, there is a possibility that somehow he will hyper-focus back on, sure. on the Jewish people again. Well, even when um, you look at like Revelation, right? Uh, when you yeah. look at like Revelation chapter 7, is it 7, maybe even 11, I don't know, where you got the 144,000. And like, again, it's, it's a subjective book the way well, that you read it. So like, yeah. right? But if it is future, if it is talking about the final days, then you do have a turning... Yeah. On some level of attention back to Israel, where he specifically saves these 144,000 Jews, not right. Gentiles, for that yeah. end time purpose. So it gets weird. Well, even when you go back to Romans 11 and that, that plant, it's uh -huh. like, okay, I broke off a couple of natural branches so we could stick these wild olive branches. That's us, real, That's us. you know, into this thing. But how easy is it for me to, to get some of those natural branches and stick them back into this thing again? And, and, and there's that indication of this well, mystery. Natural, they don't need to be stuck back there. Well, the idea that, that right, right. you know, again, there, there does seem to be room for that, that idea. Again, is it, is it a definite thing where all of a sudden, you know, okay, the church is, you know, the Gentiles are done. And, 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 no, it's yeah. because then, you, then you're separating the programs, again, yeah, like I you know. said, and that's it, where it gets weird. Is the replacement theology, and I'd ask you a question, uh, is the replacement theology uh, idea, mindset, is it the same mindset as we don't need the Old Testament anymore? I don't are think those, so. It's basically you take all the promises, you say, we've now become Israel. If God's done with them. They uh -huh. blew it. Uh -huh. All those promises, they forfeited. Now they come to us as the church. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, I don't know. I don't know anybody who actually really holds to it. Uh, I think that, you know, some of the, the actually, early guys got accused of it. There's quite a few reformers that, that hold. Well, I mean, I'd love, I wish I could sit down and talk with them because it seems kind of silly. And none, <laughs> of those, none of those guys would ignore the Old Testament. Uh, no, because I, I, cause from my perspective, some some people in the church are thinking, yeah, we're all that in a bag of chips. The, sometimes the Jewish people are saying, well, we're all that in a bag of chips. And when you look at the Old Testament prophetic ministry, right. you can almost see that they skip over this whole church age. Hmm. You know, the the prophet, the Old Testament prophets were focused on Israel. Okay, so I'm just I'm just bringing up another aspect maybe of the conversation. They they may have just like like the mountain peaks, like the church age is like in this valley, and the prophets, the Old Testament prophets, are looking across the mountain peaks. They're not even seeing. Many of them don't even mention anything about the church age, because it's a it's one it's one big you know entity. But it isn't. It is interesting, isn't it? You know, I mean, I, when I thought about that, I thought, yeah. There's some merit to that, you know, because because when you when you see the Old Testament prophets, they are they are kind of skipping over the church age, and they're saying that this this is taking place, you know, after uh, when the fullness of the Gentiles come, whatever. They don't say it that way. That's old. Yeah. That's a New Testament thing. Yeah. So, what do you think about about that? Is that am I looking at it correctly? Well, you actually you don't you don't see really any language in the sense that I think you're talking about it. Don't you don't see any language even from non-profits in the Old Testament writings about the church age. Right. Like you don't see that, you know what I mean, like exclude, like talked about. But, uh -huh. you, but you do talk, you do see uh, the promises of God towards his people mm -hmm. and the things that God is going to do talked about. Well, even the all so nations, all with nations the, will yeah, be blessed. Yes. So with the revelation okay. of the New Testament looking back, mm -hmm. we can know that all that was implied. Whether the, whether the writers knew what they were talking about exactly or mm -hmm. not, it's all there, right? Mm -hmm. Just like when we go well, back that's to... that's what, like, Sam Storch wrote this article, and he basically said that 
he views it like a caterpillar and a butterfly. Mm -hmm. The Old Testament was the caterpillar. Uh, the butterfly didn't become something. I mean, it's it's still a caterpillar. Yes. But it's just now become this beautiful thing. It has the same DNA. Up. Yeah, and and he kind of looks at it that way. So so what we're seeing now is this you know the fulfillment of all of these things where the Gentiles have come in and, and all nations are being blessed. The promise to Abraham is being fulfilled in that. Mm -hmm. um, but but I, I mean, the, the, the funny thing is that I still hold out this, this little hope uh -huh. or this little, uh, maybe not hope even, cause, but I do, you know, you hope for, for national Israel, for people to, to have a full turning back in some way. But again, I think it's, oh, the door's open right now for them to come back. And Actually, they are. They, they are. So I, but there's a deception. Yeah. And it seems like that deception is kind of, I mean, it's all over. It's all nations, tribes, tongues, but there's still a deception that almost seems to be specific toward the Jewish people. You know, and what would happen if that deception, you know, went away? I right. guess at the end of the day, I, it, it's possible it could happen, and, yeah. and I'm, I'm rooting for it in some yeah. ways, but it's also possible that what's happening right now is actually perfectly Ex fulfilling what God has exactly. promised absolutely. as well. God is and building so, his church right now, and yeah. it absolutely includes Jews. Yeah. And so, yes. so like, I would say, because sometimes it's like, well, what's the big danger in this? Like, I got kind of upset when that lady comes. She's like, there's a rumor that you guys are replaced. <laughs> and, and at first it's like, well, well, that stinks. Like, we're not fully replacement. And then the second thing was like, why is this so bad if we were? Like, what's like what's the rumor, right? And um, and I think, again, of Romans 11, I, th I think the Paul doesn't say there, like, don't, don't be haughty or boast against the branches mm -hmm. um, um, because they're going to come back. You know what I mean? Um, he says, don't boast against them because they were broken off for you. Like, and, and so I think that's that's kind of the big thing for us, or the, even the big danger, whether we're dispensational or whether we're full replacement or somewhere in the middle, is that we're not, a, you know, all that in a bag of chips, like yeah. you said earlier. Like, like we are what we are because of His His grace. Yeah. It doesn't matter what our our background is, or what our genealogy is, or what our nationality is. Like, we are what we are. We have what we have in Christ because of Christ alone and nothing else. And so um, I think we all need to know that no matter where we fall. On yeah. Yeah, you know, that, that would be the biggest danger is that we, we think we're rat, you know, <laughs> if, yeah. if so, our theology what, takes us to a place where we're awesome and someone else is What isn't. I don't quite understand about God in this, in this respect is that he actually is trying to make the Jewish, Jewish people jealous. It does say that in Romans. Yeah. It, it says yeah. that in the passage yeah. that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's like if he didn't have another, if he didn't have a plan for his people, for the Jewish people, mm -hmm. then why would he even cause them to be jealous? I would just say, just... I'm, I'm done. But yeah. again, that that right. The, so so any Jew right now that that recognizes what's gone on and gets jealous has the opportunity to come to Christ yeah, today. That can be saved. So so that's the you know again it's not again I don't like this compartmentalized thing. Yeah. Okay, yep. Jews can come to God. Uh, we saw Gentiles coming to God in the Old Testament all yep. the time. There were sure. people. That, now we're saying no, no, okay, no, this is Gentiles. No Jews allowed. No, we see Jews coming now uh, as well. And so mm -hmm. maybe we're trying to make it too neat and tidy. Sure, we like to do that. Yeah. Again, our systematics a lot of times yeah. are are where our errors are you know what i mean it's trying to fit into categories and i think maybe that was maybe that was the thing to begin with i'm thinking why would this person like bring up whoever it was like this, this is an issue and our, our you know our pastors are into replacement you know theology the only thing i can ever come to as to some, why someone would make this such a negative thing is because they're trying to pr protect something else right. and it's usually something secondary so when i look at the church and the history of salvation and the narrative of salvation for everybody, the promise of God, like that's primary, right? Not secondary. So um, wh why, why do I need to have a certain tidy compartmentalized view of that 
why, why is that necessary to protect something? It's usually eschatology. It's usually they're trying to protect yep. some kind case. of end time mm-hmm. structure that they have. And it's like, why, why don't we just throw all of that away and just um, be able to trust like wherever the Bible takes us? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Is, it, is, it, is it a good assumption to make that, that people would believe that we are all children of Abraham spiritually? Well, I think that's that's what we read actually in Galatians. Yeah. Actually, I don't think you can read Galatians and not know that. Yeah, because yeah. that's what brings right. it, that's what brings the chocolate and the peanut butter yes. together. Yeah, you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. So I was talking to someone about this the other day when it came up on the phone, and that was one of the things that I challenged them with. And someone challenged me with, with this years ago, and at first I thought, well, this is a stupid rabbit trail. This is overthinking things, and then it was like, no, this is legit. And that is that if you ever go back and you do a study between. Uh, uh, of the difference between the seed of Abraham and the offspring of Abraham, it's clear throughout scriptures that there's a different, there's a there's a distinction between those two things. One is according to the flesh. One is according to the promise. Mm-hmm. You and I are absolutely the seed of Abraham mm-hmm. because of the promise. Yes. Um, and Galatians makes that super clear. Like can't make it any more clear. And <laughs> and you don't have to be circumcised. You don't have to you know, have ever participated in a Passover meal. Like, like we are the seed of Abraham yeah. because yeah. of what Christ has done in bringing these two folds mm-hmm. together. And it's it's only helpful for us in just reading our Bible as a whole to just understand that. Like, otherwise, you, you are chopping up your Bible. Like, you're complicating yeah. some things. So I would even say so that my summation would be uh, the ditches that you can fall into. <laughs> One would be um, that, that you end up with God who breaks his promises or, or just transfers them to somebody else. Um, if you have a theology that teaches that, I'd be really leery of that. Mm-hmm. If you have a theology that teaches that God has two different programs of redemption, mm-hmm. or two different, you know, one for them, one for us, methods and, of and redemption, two different whatever it is. Again, I don't think you're. I think you've missed the scriptures at that point. Right. And if you do understand this correctly, going back to what you said a little bit earlier, it should cause us as Gentiles to fall on our face yes. before God and say, "Thank you yeah. for for including us in your plan of salvation." Yeah. Yeah. No thank room for boasting. Thank you for allowing us to be your people mm-hmm. uh, because that's exactly what he's done in Christ. And even in a sense, thank you for cutting off Israel yeah. for, for my blessing. For us, yeah. Right. Um, so there's, there's a humility yeah. of yeah. in their rejection, not um, a pride. And at the same time, still rooting for Israel to come back. Still and, rooting. You know, like I, mean, in, Jew, I shouldn't say Israel because we are yes. Israel, but, but for yes. more Jews to come to Christ. Oh, wait, you know, what did you just say? We are Israel. <laughs> Spiritual Israel, that's a, you know, we, 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 that's a whole other thing. Yeah. But I See, you repla- your, your replacement right there. Yeah. You just made yourself a replacement. The Bible does say that we... You because know, you said spiritual Israel. Not, not all who, who are called Israel are Israel. There is a spiritual Israel yes. that we are part of. I agree. So it's all the kingdom of God in one sense. And we're building in the kingdom. Yeah. And it's an unshakable kingdom. The kingdom of God yeah. is like a mustard seed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Starting small and growing to yeah. the, the, biggest, the biggest tree in the field. That, this is what Jesus is teaching us. Yeah. yeah. Right? Praise God. Um, it looks like Glenn got out of. I know this last. Perfect. This last one. I think he stalled just to get. To, we skipped the last topic. Should almost. Should almost give it to him. <laughs> I think you, we you'd be proud of me if you knew how much I held back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean with that last topic? Oh, man. well, I'm talking about the next one. Well, I'm I'm intrigued because, you know, I've been brought up in that dispensational me mindset. Too. We, okay. we were yeah. both brought up. Yeah. In that too. So so it's helping me, to. Be more um, to be more inclusive of other thoughts, mm-hmm. uh, other theologies, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, I would never even get close to saying I was a part of a replacement theology mm-hmm. because it I sounds like a disease. It, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, you know, and I can't even pronounce the other term. So anyway, um, 
I feel like, you know, it's, it's, it's iron sharpens iron. It's good to be able to have these yeah. conversations without, you know, getting ticked off. Yeah. And when, when it becomes that point where it does tick people off, then I think, oh, let's take a deep breath and let's sit down and talk about it. Sure. Well, and I would even say, you know, if there's rumors out there right now, that's a problem. So if you if you're you know I don't know where that came from whatever but if there's people that are talking about this that aren't coming to us that are upset about oh you wouldn't believe what these guys are yeah. and that's where the way it kind of came in, like well maybe talk to your leaders and and sit have this you know sit down and say what's going on and we would love to and because we, we we'd always welcome that um, I, I love these kinds of conversations yeah, but but what we never want to see is is um, disunity or divisiveness that's going on and I'm not accusing anybody of that I don't know that that's what was happening I'm you know but but that's that's always that scary part of uh, when, when we do these kinds of things is are we creating division or, or is there potential for disunity in these things and we don't want that we need to maintain the unity of the church so right. let's talk about it yeah yeah, yeah let's keep our yeah. focus missional yeah yeah, yeah. let's glean, glean let's get clarification where we can get clarification I mean we're all again we say it all the time we're, we're here to be students and that includes the pastors too and so Amen. like the fact that we all get to grow together in in these things is a pretty rad thing like let's not ruin it you know what I mean? Let's let's not stick a knife in it. Like let's find every way we can to um, enhance, you know, our, our 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 ability to grow in the Word of God together. Because that's really what we're doing, and and we're not really good alone. In fact, this was one of the conversations I was having with with this person when they when they called the other day was that uh, they were talking about how uh, how they feel like oh I I I can always go back to the Word of God regardless of what other people are saying, and I can always get His truth there. And it's like. Yes, but like you have to be careful of that too because we are subject to error and um, we cannot even trust ourselves in our ability to discern truth properly, right? Because there's always biases, there's always well, influences that are internal. Yeah. So like we need each other, we need other truth tell other people that are seeking the truth just like we're seeking the truth. And then together, God brings us through his word to a place that's that's reasonable as, yeah. as far as what his what the representation of his truth is and so and so the point is like let's make sure that that we're coming together when we mine for truth rather than going solo or listening to one person um it's good for us to 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 you know lock arms so, so. Th so things are shaking you know kingdoms are shaking yeah. but, but we serve an unshakable kingdom and that we just need to keep focused on that i just if I could just read this one. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Boom. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Amen. You know, and whatever our paradigms are that we bring to a discussion, we just need to understand, you know, those are, that's what they are. They're paradigms. They're not, you know, we, we can all kind of be purified with God's consuming yes. fire as it relates to certain yes. thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. On that note, you should, you should probably close us in prayer. Yeah. Wow. Hey, thanks for coming on. Bro. Oh man, yeah. appreciate you. I, I get I get really really charged when I talk with you guys about these things. I appreciate uh, all of your study. It's fun. It is. It is. <laughs> Father, we're just so grateful for the fact that all wisdom and insight are hidden in Jesus, and and we just come to you, Lord, and thank you that you have given us your word, not to not to divide over, but to, un to unite uh, through. And uh, we pray, Lord, as your, as your return is drawing nearer, that we will allow the purification of your consuming fire to, to, to speak to us and to prepare us for, for the Lord's return. And, and everyone that has this hope,
in him purifies himself just as he is fully pure. Hmm. So thank you so much for this time that we've had together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks Amen. for joining yeah, us. Yeah, thanks for joining us. I'm going to go plow snow. <laughs>